What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So uh, uh, we're back with the uh, damage done. Uh, people, uh, thank you for the people that have still supported us. I know, you know our, our numbers aren't what we want them to be, but we are back again delivering another episode, as we said, for once. Thank God. Um and I'm super happy that the the people that supported supported. Um, and whether you're watching on YouTube, that corny like and subscribe thing actually means something. So do that. Or if I can uh, do the thumbs down or say something mean or nice, whatever. If you're listening, three stars, four stars, five stars a comment, that stuff's cool too, man. Um, but of course, we're bringing you stuff where it's just this is true crime type of stuff meets redemption, self-help, all that type of stuff. So we hope you guys stick around through the viewing, through the listening to hear the whole arc of the story, because we don't just bring on people that don't have incredible stories. Uh, and today we we do have just that. And I'm going to pass it over to to Caesar to do some more more of this introduction because you're much more in tune with our guest for sure thank you mason of course so yeah we have a great show today we have a, a young man that um you know was a, was arrested at a very young age and um you know given a, a extensive amount of time because of the crime that he was involved in and uh we're here to hear the story you know we have juan gomez we want to hear from the beginning we want to hear you know how did you how did you end up with the type of sentence that you were given as a kid, as basically as a kid. And, um, you know, for our viewers, man, this is, this is his, his face might look familiar. You know, he was, uh, in a documentary called, they call us monsters. Uh, I believe it was in 2010, 16, 2016. And then a lot of people watched it, you know, so, um, I watched it and I was and very I intrigued and, uh, yeah. So this is why we have him on here today. We'd love to hear his story and, with that being said, welcome, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome, Thank you man. I'm, I'm happy you're here. Truly. You. I'm happy you're free and able to talk to us, man. So there you go. Give it to us, brother. You want me to start from my country, the upbringing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. My whole timeline. Mm-hmm. Whole so, timeline, man. Man. You know, it, um, I was born and raised in El Salvador, right? I was born in 1995. I, I was born the year that the um, Civil War was signed off, you know, like the the war ended, right? So I say that to say, like, it was very, like, um, chaotic still, mm -hmm. right? Um, I'm the second of three siblings. You know, my father, um, he was very uh, harsh on us. Um, my mother, she, typical um, Hispanic household, right? There was a lot of uh, culture. There was a lot of good teachings, but there was also a lot of um, 
tough love and a lot of well for my father a lot of alcohol right so mm -hmm. my father was an alcoholic and um and i was brought up in this um toxic masculinity household right where men don't cry and, and men fight and this right so you know it was um i feel like it was a mixture even now when i reflect and when i was in prison writing my life story i remember thinking a lot about my upbringing as negative right now that i'm older and, and i'm able to reflect more i am still thankful for the good the good lessons my parents instilled in me mm -hmm. but there was a lot of dysfunctional right mm -hmm. so um growing up a lot of my early memories are seeing my father abusing my mother physically right beating there mm -hmm. and uh, um running uh, running away from him right trying to escape and um you know like it was very traumatic because as a kid that it, my father was my hero but he was also uh the monster right he was also the person that i feared the most and um I developed that resentment towards him. Mm. I developed that, that that anger, but also that guilt towards myself because I couldn't protect my mother, right? Because um, it was hard um, just standing there crying, asking him to stop, and he wouldn't stop, you know? <clears throat> so that was, uh, that was very uh, chaotic, you know? Um, he was also the first person that introduced me to alcohol at the age of five, right? Because men drink, right? Mm. So, so at the age of five, I think that the only thing I wanted to do was please him. Right. I want my father to be proud of me. And, and um, you know, I, I took that beer, right? My brother and I. So that was um, the negative aspects um, barely early on in my childhood. Um, he left. He migrated to the United States when I was six years old. And um, that was the last time I saw him alive. He stayed in touch. He, produ he, he um, provided financially, but we never bonded. You know, we never really um, became. No, sorry to cut you off. Did you say that was the last time you seen him alive? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. So he passed when I was 11. And I say that I saw him then, but I saw him in a, in a, in a coffin, right? Mm -hmm. they, they sent his body back. So uh, six years old was the last time I saw him alive. And, um, you know, that with that change, I felt like it was bittersweet because, like, he had left and there was no more violence. That was my thought. But there was also that boy, right? Mm -hmm. My father left. And, and, um, you know, my mother did the best she could. Um, she had a lot of trauma in her life, so she was um, she wasn't always able to 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 uh, respond in a healthy way. But she was a single mother. You know, she was a single mother. Um, you know, she was she hadn't dealt with her trauma. She hadn't dealt. Uh, she was still dealing with my father even through the phone, right? So um, there was a lot of violence still. There was a lot of discipline, as you say. You know, very uh, rough discipline for my brother and I. And growing up, you know, I was like an average kid. Like I was used to like, I used to like, I playing around. Like over there, like in those times, there was no phones, no video games, none of mm -hmm. that, right? So I was just playing hide and seek, tag, you know, running around crazy mm -hmm. in the market, you know, because my whole family worked in the market. So I'd be in the market and school. Everything was games, right? I was just remembering. I was asking my mom, "You remember all the songs you used to have to uh, um, to pick who was gonna count?" Like everybody would get in a circle, all the kids, mm -hmm. and we would we would we would sing a song and rhyming, and then whoever like that song ended on, you gotta count, you know, right? Things like that, right? Sure, sure. Because my son, he's eleven now, and uh, all he does is play video games, you know. But but he also he's also um you know a single child, so he doesn't have like siblings to play around with. And I and I tell him I'm like man, when I was your age, I was out, man. I was just running around, right, you know, right, right. playing soccer or something, right? So you know that was um. That, that was life for me in the, in the, in the early stages. And um, through, through all of this, 
there was always that gang element, right? I've always lived in gang-infested neighborhoods, like, but but I was naive to it, right? I would see them around. I would see them, um, the way they dress, the tattoos on their faces, right? And and it was something like almost like um, like mystic about them, right? Like I didn't know what it meant, mm-hmm. but I knew they projected something like greater, uh, uh, bigger than life, right? So it was a it was appealing to say to say that, right? Um, but I never really um, put thought into what it would be like to join. Even when my younger friends wanted to, I never really thought about joining because I was uh, I was scared. You know, I was scared of, of, of getting beat up or of doing other things to other people, right? Um, but there was a point when, like, so my father died uh, when I was 11. He died in a car accident in New York, and mm. then they sent his body back, right? So that was a, a, a big change for the family because my mother went into mourning, right? My mother started mourning his loss. That was the love of her life. Right. You know, and um, I, I took advantage of that because she was distracted. She worked all day and then she was distracted. So I took onto the streets, mm-hmm. right? And I, and um, in the beginning, it was just like finding some independence, you know, finding a sense of freedom, right? Like running around. But like I said, like where I live was very gang infested. You know, it was like, it was a very notorious area of the neighborhood I was from. So, so I, I immediately started bumping into people. I immediately started running into, into characters that were um, either affiliated to gangs or they were um, gang members themselves, right? Yeah. So I started to notice a big difference, right? A big difference in the way that they treated people, and it was absolute power, right? Mm-hmm. And in the in the places where we live, like the police was rare to be seen, right? Okay. But but gang members were very much out there. And they have such a authority over people, right? So my brother and I, my brother is a, a year older than me, a year and three months. And um, at 12, we will start to get noticed by gang members, right? And this is, you would think this is early. Like, I see my son, and he looks like an eight-year-old boy. He's 11, right, yeah. You know? But we were getting stopped. We would be like, uh, hey, where are you from? And be like, I'm from nowhere. Right. So the next question would be like, where do you live? So hmm. if you answer that, and then is an enemy of that of the neighborhood then they'll rob us it's know? still a problem it's still a problem right damn so there's only like two neighborhoods in and el salvador yeah at and the time yeah two of the biggest neighborhoods out here in los angeles too yeah right? yeah so if you were from the wrong neighborhood so you were where you lived in el salvador it was the ms neighborhood yeah so the rivals with the 18 streets. Yes. And that was the only oh, two so that... That, that goes all the way out, 18 as well, goes yeah. all the way out to El Salvador? Yes, yeah. Shit. Didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. And so that's what you were dealing with. Yes. Being mm-hmm. hit up by both of those. Both. At 12. Yes. All right. At 12. So so there was a big difference, right? It was a big difference, like I said, in the way that they approach you. Like, there was... um, They had so much control and influence, right, that you couldn't... You couldn't stand up to them, you know, realistically. You couldn't stand up. If you did, you were dead. That was mm-hmm. the last thing you were going to do, right? And then your family will pay for it, too. Damn. So it was very uh, it was very harsh. And I remember that I started, like, the OCP, right? Mm-hmm. I started obsessing over this lifestyle, right? I started looking at it for the gains that I didn't have, the confidence, the false sense of confidence mm-hmm. and power, sure, right? Sure, sure. And, and, uh, you know, it became it became that it became that obsession, and and like I said, I started getting to know these people. I started getting to not hang out directly with them, but hang out with people that were related to them or people that knew them, right? And little by little, they would see me, right? So I remember this one time. <clears throat> it was my brother, two friends, and I, and they were they went to pick me up after school, and um, 
we got asked that question, where are you from? You know, and we were like, man, we don't, we're from, not, from nowhere. And then right. we were asked the follow question, where do you live? So when my brother said where we live, they started like wanting to beat him, right? And in uh, because they were from the um, the enemy. Oh, they wanted to jump your brother because they found out that he lived in the rival. Yeah. Side okay. Of the, uh, yeah. Okay. So I'm seeing this, and we like in front of a bus stop, right? So I run and I grab my brother's arm and I pull him to the bus, and we all get on the on the bus. We didn't even care what route this bus was going. We just got on the bus, and then uh, um. Then I just remember him saying, like, man, I'm tired of this shit, man. You know, I'm tired of this harassment, you know. If it's not one thing, it's another. And I'm like, yeah, I'm tired of this shit, too. Mm. So then my friends and all of us were like, man, let's just join the gang, man. We're, as well. we're already getting hit up. You know, we're already, we know. The, the old, the old, uh, if you can't beat them, join them. Exactly. Right? Mentality. Yeah. Mm. So, so we were all in it. You know, we were like, hell yeah, let's do it. You know, and, uh, and um, you know, that night, that was when, like, our faiths changed. You know, that night we made. A commitment that couldn't be broken, right? Mm. So, um, I was thirteen, my brother was fourteen, and my friends were like sixteen and fourteen. My other two friends, so right? all, all minors, all minors, all minors, right? Right. And 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 you know, like when I heard somebody say in prison, right? Like, why would I let a decision that I made as a as a child determine my life in the future? This was my 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 childish decision. This was mm -hmm. the yeah. the age where I was right. like. And this, you Very know, impulsive, impulsive, right? Sure, sure. But I, but I took it to heart, you know, and and um, and I ran with it, you know, because it changed everything, right? Now I was affiliated, like I said, to one of the biggest gangs in in my country, in in in, you know, in other places as well. So there was a lot that came with it that I wasn't ready for, you know. There was a lot of responsibility, a lot of structure, and um, you know, I was naive to all that, right? Um. I didn't know how to handle it at the beginning. And then when my mother found out, she flipped out, you know, mm. she flipped out. She she heard from one of her friends that we were like out there smoking weed and, and running around, you know, and she confronted me with it. And I said, yeah, that's true. So she gave me an ultimatum. She said, well, look, you want if you want that, get your shit and leave. Or if not, you stay here and you live under my rules. You know? mm. And I said and I didn't say anything. I just turned around and I grabbed my backpack and I left. You know, yeah, and 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 um, you know, my brother, my brother follow follow after me, and this is still thirteen. That year it was very chaotic, you know, thirteen, fourteen, and um, you know, like I didn't see my mother for like six months, and the last time, the next time I saw her, I was in a jail cell. You know, I got arrested, you know, for a crime I didn't commit, but um, but I was I was in jail, and I remember thinking in El Salvador, in El Salvador, yeah, right. and I remember thinking like not regretting it I, I was regretting it because i didn't like being locked up but i just remember thinking next time i come back i'm gonna be ready mm -hmm. you know because for us over there it was like prison is gonna be part of your life at some point you know so you're gonna have to like come it's almost like you're proving yourself you know you're proving yourself that you, that you can do time that you can keep quiet you know that you can like manage it right mm -hmm. so i was just like next time i'm gonna be ready you know yeah and you know it was very um it was very rough the culture at the time, the gang culture at the time, it was it was very rough, very very cruel, and and um, I feel like it, it almost like like I lost myself in it for a moment, you know, I lost myself, I lost my identity because I suppressed my true feelings about how I felt to wear the mask that allowed me to be um, evil, that allowed me to be mean, that allowed me to be mm -hmm. a criminal, a hard criminal, a gang member, right? So, but on the other side. 
there comes the selfish desires, right? The selfish gain that, that I was getting uh, the false sense of glorification, popularity, acceptance, belonging, mm -hmm. right? And it's almost like you overpower it, you know, like if for for the instant gratification moment where you when you when you when you feel that the homie gives you a thumbs up, right, it, or tells you something like you did this right, it, it, it erases the remorse, it erases the that became the, your favorite drug, exactly yeah. the guilt, right? Yeah. And then and then um, you know, like I said, I ran with it, you know, I ran with it, and 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 um, when the opportunity came to come to this country, you know, um, I took it because I was. Uh, I wanted to work. I heard that you can that you can make a lot of money in this country, you know. And I'm 14. I have a, a my girlfriend at the time pregnant, six six months pregnant. Oh wow! So my mother said you can go over there and you can work for six months, save money, and come back and see your son, right? Because I have nothing to offer. I didn't know any trades. I was 14. I didn't have a mm. job. So I was all right. I can do that. And I came over here and I was working landscaping in San Diego for a while. Okay. And How did you come over here? Because um, I was sharing earlier with Mason that. You know, it's Mexico, then it's Guatemala, and then it's El Salvador. Yeah. So it's like you have you gotta have three borders to get over here, yeah. right? You weren't one of the ones in those uh trains, were you? The no, the caravan. Okay. No. Like no? Uh -huh. how, no. How did you how did you make it over here? Um, so I was fortunate, uh my mom had remarried after my father's death. Mm -hmm. And then uh he was a US citizen. He was a Salvadorian, oh. but he was a had a double citizenship. So he started fixing those papers. And that's how I got it first. I was the first one to get the green card. So they sent me along, you yeah. know, because they she want she knew that I was getting in trouble because because uh, my brother was already in prison over there. So she knew that it was a matter of time for me mm -hmm. to get arrested or get killed. So she was like, I'm going to just send you first, you know, so she sent she sent me. And then, um, you know, that then I was I was here in the United States and it was a culture shock, right? The language like like I didn't. You know, I don't really, I don't know anybody here. I knew a family member, but he wasn't like the best family yeah, member. Yeah, where did you go? You just went to stay with the family member that you yeah, know? Yeah, with this and uncle, you Damn. know. Yeah, so so we're just working, you know, Monday through Sunday, you know. And and, and, and I'm really not knowing the city because all we do is work, you know. Yeah. And um, What part of the city did you land in? Uh, no, I went to San Diego, to Escondido City. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So I was in Escondido for a little bit. And then... Um, then they got their papers and they went to Boston because that's where my stepdad was um, okay. living. So they flew me to Boston and then I, I was in Boston for a little bit. And then we came to California and he just abandoned us. My stepdad just like, he just left, you know. Disappeared. Disappeared, Shit. right. So then I was working construction and I was supporting the family, right. And at I'm 14? 15 at the time. 15? Yeah. Wow. So, mm -hmm. you know, my mom was trying to find jobs and, and it was just my mom, my sister and me, right. And I was working um, construction. And, you know, um, for a while, I didn't have the, the urge to rejoin the gang, right? Because I thought I was going back. I was only here temporarily, right? Mm -hmm. But then my mother put me in high school, you know? And I got mad because I was I didn't, I didn't come here for school, you know? <laughs> yeah. I yeah. came to work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, she, she told me, she's like, you're not going back. You know, you're a minor and I'm not going to send you back. So I got upset, you know, I got, I, I, I got angry, you know, and, and um, I, that's when I started thinking, okay, well, if I'm not going to go back, I gotta do something here for the neighborhood, right? Because they had told me my my, my ex homies have told me like, hey, you, you gotta produce somehow, some way, right? Whether you're over there, we are over there too, you know. Right. So you know, um, I had that 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 in my mind, but I also had like, like I wanted it because when I started going to high school, I didn't fit in in high school you sure. know? because I didn't know English, right? I'm Salvadorian, right? Uh, uh, I was a minority in in um, 
it, like I said, the culture changed. So the only places where I felt that I fit in was with my countrymen or with my neighborhood countries, you know, like people from Central America. Right? Yeah. So so that was uh, um, the only people that I hung out with, you know. So I, I always look for my comfort zone. Sure. And that was my comfort zone. So um, I started to, again, obsessed with that idea. You know, I'm going to reunite with the gang here. If I'm not going back, I'm going to rejoin here. And, um, you know. Now, now, let me ask you a quick question. Mm -hmm. You said. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So you told your home, because you could have just picked up and left. Yeah. Right. Why did you feel the need to say, hey, um, I'm going to the U.S. Yeah. I, I'm going to be over there working. Like, why did you feel the need to let them know? And then they tell you, well, you know, wherever you're at, you got to make sure you produce, right? You got to yeah. make sure you represent because we're everywhere. Yeah. Like, why did you feel the need to, to let them know that you were coming over here? That's a great question. You, you, <laughs> and, and, you know, the answer sure. to that is, is um, well, it, it can be answered two ways. But really, the answer to that is that I was so caught up in it, you know, that I didn't see any other way out. You know, like this was like I knew that they can be uh, ruthless. Right. One one part of it was that I didn't want anything to follow my on my family. Mm -hmm. Sure. But at the same time, like I didn't have that. Like I could have come here and, and never say anything and just completely like be whoever I wanted to be. Sure. You know, and nobody could have known. So was it a sort of like an insecurity for you? Yeah. To not to say nothing to you know, mm -hmm. the gang back home that you're leaving. Yeah. It's an insecurity because now the security blanket is when you come over here. Yeah. Even though we don't talk about it, they're there. Yeah. My backup is still here. What I was seeking in El Salvador, mm -hmm. that blanket, that blanket's also here because we're also here. Too. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. It completely makes sense. And, and you know, um, like at that at that time, I remember thinking, like, what am I going to do? Like, because I had a moment when I was in L.A., when I first landed in L.A., and I was having friendships that were not gang members, were not gang related. They were normal, average people, you know, and they didn't know I was a gang member. So they didn't yeah. treat me like one. So you're living like a secret identity. Exactly, right? Shit. But I liked it. I, I almost felt like I could do it. You know, I almost felt like I, I can be normal, you know, for a split moment. Oh, I you think. liked being normal, like feeling yeah. normal. Yeah. Was that the, that might have been the first time you felt normal then. That's probably why you liked it, right? Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. In a way, yes. And, and um, I felt like, I can do this, but then I, th I remember the, the consequences of not reporting, mm -hmm. the consequences of not going back, right? And I said, nah, I'm not gonna do it, you know? And um, like I said, I I didn't have the confidence in myself to do something mm -hmm. different, you know? I didn't believe that I can amount to anything other than a gang member, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was a very um, like self-sabotage mentality, you know? And, and um, so I made it a point to, to ask around in high school, where is MS territory? Where is like their neighborhoods, right? And my mother made the mistake of moving into my former neighborhood. <laughs> wow. Because the rent was cheap. Yeah. You yeah. know? And she didn't know, you know, because, you know, like an average people don't think, like, oh, what, yeah. what hood is over there? No, they think, where is the, you know, where is affordable housing, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. But 
I think she might have also seen that this is where the community that I come from. Maybe too. It's probably big too. Yeah. Like Interesting. Certain areas. Yeah. There's, you know, there, there's the Mexican areas over here, the Salvadoran areas over mm-hmm. here, Guatemalan areas. Over. Yeah. So I think she went to where she fit it. Yeah. She felt she felt she could fit in. Sure. Because this is where all my my culture's from right here. Yeah. But didn't know that she landed right in the heart of. So that's how you found your gang. <laughs> yeah. You got moved over there. I moved over there, and um, and then they confirmed. My one of my classmates, classmates said that yeah, that is um this neighborhood territory. Yeah. So you know, I just I just walked out, and I I I ran into somebody, and I asked him, you know, like I, I banged on them. I was like, hey man, where you from? You know? And I just like he happened to be from MS, you know. And that's another thing that you know, like it would have been all bad if it wasn't from from, <laughs> from there. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I didn't have any anything. Yeah. I didn't, you know, I didn't know anybody else. You Damn, know? you're going out there, guns are blazing. Yeah. Like, hey. <laughs> And and uh, from then on, that was um, the last six months before my incarceration. So I I did I I was here for a year and eight months. Okay. In the U.S., but only the last six months I was an active gang member in this country. And so that six months changed everything. Everything, the whole trajectory, right? And um, it cost me eleven and a half years of my life. Yeah. Going back to that time when you banged on that person, the initial thing, like how did that go? How did you get all of a sudden? You got lucky, apparently, and he was from the same place you're from. But yeah. then what happened at that point in time? You guys shook hands. and He's like, hey, let's meet some people. And then exactly. you start doing missions. Like, what happened? Well, yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's in a structure, you know. So okay. they wanted to know about me over there. So I have my numbers, my phone numbers of people over there. And um, they wanted to introduce me to the people here, okay. you know. So so it's like, let me first, let's find out that you are who you say you are. And then you can meet some people, right? So then that's how that's exactly how it went, right? And and when they talked to the people over there and they confirmed my identity, they were like, okay, you can come hang out. So sure. so from what what do you think the outcome would have been if it was a rival? Like what were you prepared to do if let's say the dude you hit up was a rival gang member? What were you prepared? Like, did you have anything on I you? I didn't have anything. You, like what <laughs> yeah. was gonna be like like, oh, he's from over here. You know, where are you from? Like, oh, yeah. I'm from here. Like what what was what, what do you think the outcome would have been? Um, because that is pretty crazy. That's wild to <laughs> me. Pretty crazy to just to come out and say, "Hey, hey, where are you mm-hmm. from?" Yeah, right. <laughs> just anybody <laughs> off the block. Um, yeah, in a new neighborhood, yeah. in a foreign country. That's that teenage yeah. Yeah. energy. Yeah, because you think yeah, you're yeah. invincible. You probably didn't think of any. Con- you probably didn't yeah. even think of that shit. I didn't. I you're didn't. Like, I'm just gonna find my people this way. That's where the impulsivity comes yeah. in, right? Mm-hmm. You just, just be impulsive. Yeah. Just let's go. That's but did you say your father was affiliated too? Or no, no, okay. no, no. My father, no. He was very um, dysfunctional, but he wasn't a gang member. He, yeah, he, yeah. he hated gang members. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I was prepared for for anything. Like at that, like you said, like I I felt invincible in those years. You yeah. know, like I just came from from a very like ruthless country. You know, and I'm like I can do anything. You know, so so if if it were to come down to it, then yes, you know, I would have done whatever I have to do, right? And right. and without and without even like knowing like consequences, because you, I didn't think of the consequences. I didn't think um, jail. I didn't think death. I didn't yeah. think nothing. You know, right. I just. I just made that impulsive decision. So now, now, you know, you, you reconnect yeah. with your gang out yeah. here. They know who you are. They know you're legit. They know, you know, without getting into all these groups and details, how did you end up in juvenile hall with the case that you ended up with? So once I was here, the dynamics were very different. You know, uh, like I said, the, uh, I was coming from a country that was completely different, ran different, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and it was no this was the match for my country. So I began trying to implement the, the, the structure over there 
And it just so happened that it was a few of us that were coming from over there, right? So we were um, we were this squad that was just pushing hard lines, you know. And um, and I and I and I felt like again, like my my comfort zone, you know. I feel like this is where I feel I'm in my element, you know. I'm, sure. I'm I feel comfortable. Um, this is where I belong. And and I had this like very like distorted idea of like because my my former neighborhood was born in LA, right? So I was walking the streets where my neighborhood was born, right? So I had that very distorted sense of pride okay. that I was I was you know like this was the origin, right? And I'm putting work in these streets, right? And I'm and I'm running these streets, right? And um. You know that that's that distorted thinking like just got me to to um come to the point where like i wanted to prove myself right i'm the new kid in the block right i have to prove myself sure right so so i was looking for opportunities to to make a statement to make a statement and um you know um on october 26 2011 i i made the decision to kill somebody you know and and it was it was a means to an end you know it was a, a way to for me to establish myself, to prove myself, and, and gain status in the game. Sure. What uh, when you say I made the decision to kill someone? Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a it's a very very intense statement. Yeah. Like what what is that in your mind? Like what was that process of like a decision like that? Can you recall? I yes. So one thing that I came to understand about myself is that the beliefs that I held, right were so powerful that I believe that any person belonging to a neighbor, uh, uh, enemy neighborhood deserve to die, right? Mm. That these people are the people that would take one of my brothers out, mm. right? One of the, that will hurt my family. Sure. And, and I'm talking about my, my former gang, right? Because at this point, I already saw my former gang as my family, right? So I'm going to give them the chance, right? How many of them are out there that I fell at the time? And I take one out, that's one less people that can hurt my brother, right? Or can hurt me, right? So I had this very distorted sense of thinking. And um, it just so happened that Mr. Davian, the man I killed, mm. he, we had a confrontation two weeks prior, right? And he um, he ran away because I chased him. I was, I was trying to hurt him. And he ran away this in my former neighborhood, right? Uh. And that was everything. That was all that that I needed, you know, to... to to narrow in on him and say no i'm gonna i'm gonna hunt you down and i'm gonna take you out you know because for the next for the next two weeks i was waiting for that i was on the look for that right and there was nothing else on my mind than taking him out you know and wow. and that's why i say i made that decision right because nobody yeah. told me nobody forced me right that's it, right. it was it was um it was just me you know and that's the that's the the crazy part about about the whole gang lifestyle is that you have this distorted belief system that mm. you ran away uh this in my neighborhood yeah. and that's that's you, you can't do that that's that, like i'm not gonna let the you worst get thing away you could that. do in like, your mind yeah that's like the worst thing and i'm gonna hunt you down and because again i'm i'm seeking that status that yeah. recognition because i'm coming away from el salvador to a gang that's already established out here i want to make sure that these guys know what they're getting yeah right a violent notorious yeah, a violent, yeah and, and I'm, they're getting someone that that doesn't care yeah. about what the outcome is it's all about representing where i'm from because even though the gang was originated here mm -hmm. you were jumped in in el salvador yeah mm -hmm. so now you gotta prove to them mm -hmm. like okay i got jumped in over there 
but I'm in LA now. But I'm serious. So I'm not going to get another jumping because that's where I'm already from here, right? So now I'm going to prove. I have to prove to you that I have it in me. Yeah. You know, and that's mm. that's the distorted belief system that yeah. not, not only Juan, myself, millions of us have right. that belief system that that's what it is. Yeah. It's all about you know representing where you're from, your family, and one less I have to worry about. Right? Yeah. One less I have that's to the worry only about. way you're thinking of it. There's that, no other way to think about it, right? No, that's it. That's Fuck. It. You know, now you're 15, 16, 15. 16, I think. You're 16. Yeah. So we're, we're in October of 2011 at this point in time. So you said you've been waiting two weeks. And this is, you've been obsessing over this. Yeah. But that's what I'm gathering. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? Like, did you just, it was a by chance or like you like figured out where the person was at? Like, how did that come to pass after two weeks? Yeah. So I knew that he frequented the, the MacArthur Park mm-hmm. and, that, and that was where we used to hang out too. Because MacArthur Park was divided, I think, in like three or four sections at the time. Okay. Four different neighborhoods. So he used to frequent one of the areas, right? And I used to hang out on the other. So, like I said, I I, I told everybody from my neighborhood around that area that if they see him, that they that they give me a call. Right? Okay. He's mine. Yeah. And I and I wow. and I had the gun. I used to carry the gun with me, uh, my bicycle on on you know all times, and they gave me that call. And I was like two blocks away, you know, and I just jumped on it. I said, okay. And I just got my bike and I pedal. And, you know, um, at this moment, like, you know, I wasn't alone. I was my, my, my co-defendant. And, and um, you know, he was my role dog. You know, he was like, you know, there was no questions about like whether he was going to do it with me or not. So I just told him, hey, be my lookout, you know, just be my lookout. Right. And, um, you know, I parked the bike like a, a block away and I just, I just walked, you know, cowardly back walk behind him and shot him you know I, I just i didn't give him a chance you know you never saw it coming no no and i think that was the the the, the biggest thing that i remember thinking like like if he would have saw me he would have ran because he knew like his, he, he had walked away from me before like he saw me like a half a block away and he got up and, and started walking you know right so so you know unfortunately that 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 night because it was already like almost dark like he didn't see me coming right you know and 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 you know at the time like I felt accomplished, you know, I felt it was like I had such, such a sick mentality that I felt accomplished. Like, you know, I went I went home that night and I slept and next day I went to high school. You there know? was no problem. And, and Fucking A, man. No, you know, and I remember thinking that like I was in high school and I'm and I'm just having lunch. And I had this uh, uh, friend of mine, this 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 girl and, and, and she and I, but I remember I was just because I was reflecting. I was just looking around me and all these kids. Right. And I was just like, man, if you guys knew what I just mm. did last night. Right. And she said, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. You know, and I didn't say nothing, you know. And, and you know, like, there was help, right? I remember I had, like, one of the counselors, like, like she would, like, she would see me, too, because I, I look hopeless. You know, I'm, like, I be going to high school, like, I, I like, bald-headed, tattoos on my head, you know. And right, they used right. to make me wear, like, one of the school hats because I was the only kid that was allowed to wear a hat in, in, in class. Because you got tattoos. Because I, <laughs> You're like, that's how you get to that's the hack. Yeah. And yeah, and I'm going back after weekends of partying. I, I smell like tobacco and beer and I'm just like, I haven't slept in three days and I'm just there, you know. So so she would see me and she would ask me, like, what's wrong with you? You know, like you need help. Like, but like I said, I was just like, I'm good. Yeah. You know, like this is where I belong. You know, That's uh, this is what it is. yeah, that checks. I mean, think about even before the that, that crime that was committed, he's been living in as an adult. A child as an adult for an extended period of time. Yeah. You've left the country. 
you've been providing for your family, you have a child, and now you're on a, a path of violence. Yeah. And was your kid already born at that time? Yeah. 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 My, my first Was he born. here with you in L.A.? No, no, wow. this is my second son. So I have, oh, I, I, yeah. I thought he only he's, had he's, one. He's a, he's a full grown adult at 15, <laughs> man. Yeah. Just doing adult shit. Oh, he's been drinking. Your teachers. Yeah, yeah. Mm. He's like, what are you yeah. talking about? Are you, uh, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just do homework? Yeah. 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 There's no homework yeah. being done. No. <laughs> so two children. Can I, can I honestly say a lot of time, I mean, I had a lot of homeboys used to do that too. They used to just go to school for lunch. Yeah. yeah, it was a place for them to eat. Yeah, yeah. free meal, huh? Yeah, the, the free meal. Like they didn't really care about the education. They just cared right. about business too. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. probably. You mm-hmm. know, um, but yeah. So, so how long did it take before the the crime was committed to when you got like how was that whole scene looking like? Uh, three months. I got yeah. arrested three months later. Right, so they couldn't pin it on me. You know, um, but I was under investigation. So, so. And I remember I feel like they I mean follow, but I couldn't pinpoint it, you know. Mm. So I was out there for three months and, and it went to my head, you know, like I got that like that instant gratification of like this false sense of respect, mm-hmm. glory, right? So af- um, after you committed the crime, yeah. you were like living on a high of like, yeah, I did that. Yeah. That's that's what was carrying you through that time. Exactly. The chest got bigger for yeah. sure, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and and unfortunately that was that was what it was. And uh on a, on January eighth. I try to kill somebody else and mm-hmm. I got arrested for that. I got arrested mm-hmm. for an attempted murder. And and thank wow. God he survived. You know, thank God he survived. And he 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 gave him a statement and that was the uh, the the one identifying factor that tied me to him was this. The, oh, three the, dots. the three dots from the yeah, yeah, I was. I thought that was part of your beard, man. That's yeah. crazy. But you probably didn't have. That. I didn't have that. At 16. Fucking sixteen. No, this is Damn. twenty years in the making. Yeah, <laughs> Shit. yeah. Right. And uh, so yeah, so that was the thing, right? And uh, um, I was the only one that got arrested for it. I wasn't the one that stabbed him, but I was the one that confronted him and beat him. And uh, because I never gave my my homie's name, so after so he went in a coma for two weeks, Oof. and then after he got out of the coma. He changed his statement saying that I was the one that stabbed him, right? Mm. So mm. I never gave up the homies' names. And then and then so I, I was in there for that one and I was fighting my fitness. I was fighting fitness to stay fitness. in juvenile court, right? I wasn't even because oh, they want to try as an adult. They yeah. wanted to try okay. as an adult. And then uh um Damn. they just threw the 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 other Mm-mm. So that was they were just in the cut building yeah. a case on you, the case. and then they're like, "We have enough on him now to hit him." And, and I can honestly tell you, just by what he's sharing right now, yeah, they didn't have enough evidence to prove on the attempted murder th- that he had a crime that he wasn't going to give up his crime. So guess what? You don't want to give up your crime? Well, then we're going to go tell the victim to say it was you. Exactly. You that's, how, that's, how it goes. that's that's how it goes. That's what they do. This is why all these laws have been changed because. Damn. Young young men like Juan and myself and others that were tried as as uh, adults in juvenile court were just they couldn't get the right um, the right the right evidence so they would just say you know what forget all that right let's right. just let's just go what he he did it yeah and the dude got stabbed he was in a coma he ain't got what else yeah of course yeah yeah he, he did it yeah he did it he yeah. Was him. And he probably wants some justice. He doesn't. He doesn't matter. He yeah. knows yeah. he was around. It's, a, it's yeah. enough. Well, he knows he's probably going to get life. Yeah. So he's not going to see him ever again unless he gets arrested. You know. Yeah. 
And uh, so that's that's what they were. That's what I feel like they were doing. Yeah. They say, you know what? He's not going to give up his his his, his, his uh, crime partner. Right. Mm -hmm. So let's just say that he he's the one that did the stabbing by himself. No, let me ask you a question. It might be silly, but like fucking, is there a possibility that you never get charged for the murder if you never do this attempted murder? Or do you think there, there was there was like you could have got away forever with yeah. it? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And and you know like I'm just there right. And I'm 16, and when I went to adult court, that's when she got real, right? Because in juvie. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I remember hearing, and I'm like, well, hopefully I do get you in a life. Instead of mm -hmm. going to adult court, or hope, oh, I just get three years for a sour daily weapon or something, right? So I was okay with that, right? I was okay with with that amount of time. But when I went to adult court, and they were like, nah, the least we want to give you is like eighty to life. Oof. So I'm like, oh, what did you man. feel like when you heard that for the first time? <clears throat> man, like I just like my heart, my heart sunk. Yeah, you know, I was like, man, I fucked up. As you know? at that time, did was that the first time you stopped feeling invincible, or did you feel? No, no, I wasn't feeling invincible anymore. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was feeling vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I mean, of you course, know? when you heard it, you felt vulnerable, but I don't know if that was the moment where you're like, oh, now I feel vulnerable instead of invincible. Yeah. No, you know what? I, I, I felt it was, it was crazy because I feel, um, I feel so, um, like I feel like I had made, I had messed up when I was the first night in juvie before they tried me as an adult. Okay. When I hit the cell, because I remember that. You know, like I said, I was living, I was living a very fast paced life, but I was also running, carrying a lot of pain. Right. Sure. So I had a lot of dysfunctionality in my house and um, the only person. So my mother, right. The, the woman that raised me, I had developed a very like toxic relationship with her. And I felt like, um, you know, like, like she didn't care about me. Right. Mm -hmm. And of course I was wrong, but I felt like she didn't love me. She didn't care about me. And she had told me, she was like, if you ever get arrested, forget you have a mother. You know, Damn. you're never going to see me again. Right. So so when I was there in the cell, I was like, well, this is it. I'm on my own. Mm -hmm. I expect no visits. You know, I was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm, it's just me. Which is, which is yeah. far from the truth. Yes. That's exactly what my mom told me. Yeah. And that's exactly the thoughts that I had about my mom. I felt like they didn't care. Mm. I yeah. felt like my sister was getting all, all the breaks and I was being neglected and what I needed, I couldn't have. So, but those are the thoughts that, that actually fuel um, the anger, the rage, and the anger of us doing what we do. Right, right. Yeah. Like we give ourselves permission. Yeah, to do to act on these because we feel well, nobody cares anyway. Exactly. So why do we care about you? Exactly. You sure. know? Yeah. Which is all false. It's a false belief system, also. Yes. For sure. Yes. So that was the moment where I feel like there was like a like what do you call those things like a bell? 
Yeah, a veil was lifted. Yes, and yeah. I was like, man, I messed up. You know, I messed up. But I, but I, I didn't allow myself much time to reflect on it because I'm, I'm here. It's juvie. It's, it's, it's toxic. It's, it's, it's hostile. You know. So, so I'm like, I cannot break it down. I cannot like let this fool get the best of me either. You know. <laughs> so, especially, yeah. especially yeah. being where you're from. Yeah. And having so many rivals For in sure. juvenile hall, because in juvenile hall you're fighting your rivals. Yeah. Not, not like the county. Right in juvenile yeah. hall, you're fighting rival. So now you're in juvenile hall. How many months are you in into where this opportunity gets presented to you about this documentary? The documentary? Maybe like about a year, a sure. year, because I was in juvie the whole my whole time in juvie was a year and nine months. And I remember the documentary was the last six months, I think. Mm. Yeah, the last six. The months. last six months of you being in juvie, in juvie was hall. the documentary. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Got so well, a year and three months, something like that. And yeah. um, I know that. No, I don't remember how I got picked. Like, I don't remember exactly. I remember that maybe Scott Budney went up and he presented a project. And the way that it was pitched to us was that let's let's show, let's create awareness about you guys, right? The juveniles that are being tried as adults. And the purpose of the Carlos Monsters was to play in the assembly for SB260. When SB260 uh-huh. was going to get voted on to play clips of it so they can see these are the kids that you guys are voting for either for or against right so i was like man let's do it you know mm-hmm. let's do it and there was an elimination process i think that the judge had like the last say so so we requested permission to the judges and they have the last say so to say like yes i, I will allow camera to my courtroom or not right or something like yeah, that yeah yeah so a few guys got like disqualified because the judges some of them because they were messing up and i don't know like just how we ended up being the last four you know that gave that got picked mm-hmm. But, but and don't lose your frame of thought. But just for our audience, Senate Bill 260 is a Senate bill that was actually passed around 2013, 13, mm-hmm. where uh, the pro- the Board of Parole hearings take into consideration that they're still kids, mm-hmm. that their mind hasn't been fully developed, that they shouldn't be looked at as monsters, okay, because their mind hasn't been fully developed. So, still look at them as kids, yes, yeah. they committed heinous crimes. But they're still kids because mm. their their brain is not fully developed until the twenty five. So when this law was passed, it gave a lot. I'm I'm a recipient of yeah that, that, that brought you home most podcasts yeah that because that's the only way that the lifers came home right yeah, yeah. so that. so that it wasn't yeah. an, it wasn't a for sure though okay but they took into consideration the fact that he was a kid yeah that yeah. he was still a kid that he wasn't an adult even though he's being tried as an adult. He wasn't a kid, it's crazy. and and that. and that law mm-hmm. not only not only helped right. myself and and Juan, but then they moved it to Senate Bill two sixty one one, which is if now if you're under the if you were twenty one and twenty three and under twenty or 20, 21 and 21 under I believe yeah I'm not sure, and then fourteen thirty seven came, mm. which is if you're twenty five and under you're still considered. Mm. A juvenile yeah. or a juvenile offender or something. Yeah. Yeah. So even if our company, I mean, car insurance, you can yeah. rent a car to you 25. Does that happen yeah. for even people with life without? Mm. SB9 was for life well, without. Well, if you were. Because I have someone in there, a if, buddy of mine, and he's got life without, but he did his crime at 18, 19. No. No. It's if, a, if he, if they're yeah. trying to change it right now, but if, if, uh, if he committed his crime when he was already 18, yeah. then no. But if he committed it at 17, you yes. know, even if it was a day before he turned 18, he would definitely. No, nah, it's not. He, he won't even go to court. He would just go get resentenced and be given a sentence of twenty-five to life. Time served. And he would have an opportunity to go to the parole. Board. Oh yeah. So he's yeah. not getting out, my buddy. Well, there's so 
you know, because yeah. I don't want to get off topic yeah, 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 with, yeah. With, with with his story, but people think, well, oh, I'm never going to come home. No, there's there's commutations. Yeah. You know, there's commutations that people can file mm -hmm. once every governor's term. They can file a commutation where you've been disciplinary free for, for a long time. Sure. And you've been rehabilitated for a long time. And you can actually file a commutation to the governor and say, hey, you know, I've been, you know, not been getting in trouble. Um, I have all these groups under my belt. I facilitate. I do all this stuff. I give back. I'm being of service in in in, in prison, and it's up to the governor's discretion mm. whether he chooses to, to. And there's been a lot of people out there. Yeah. There's so many people out here that were once LWAP that were really never going to see daylight that are home now. Right. They're very successful. So they're trying to <clears throat> go away from that. Right. Now. They're trying to go away from LWAPs, um, and actually just have everybody do 25 alone, mm. because there's a lot of great people that committed some heinous crimes, but there's a lot of great people that actually do deserve to be out here right. because I, they've I done it. a lot of work. Yeah, right. A lot of work. And then this, this is one of them right here. This is Thank why you. he's home. When you were going through your trial or when you were in juvie, how was your English? Broken. Very broken. broken. Yeah. yeah. I, I, Did that affect the process at all? It was confusing because once I started understanding what they were saying and, and they'll put translators on me, it was more confusing, you know? Yeah, but... You know, I didn't go to trial, so I feel like there was not a lot of communication that I needed to right. to understand. It was pretty much like courts are short. You remember, mm -hmm. like if you have nothing like a preliminary hearing or, or a trial is very short. Mm -hmm. So so I just remember that when they um, when I got sentenced, that was the longest. I think all oh, my preliminary hearing and my sentencing, mm -hmm. those were the two longest courts at that time. Yeah. You know, because but you took a deal. I took a deal. You took a deal for 25 to life. 15. 15 to life. Yeah. 15 to life. <clears throat> Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so as as a documentary is being filmed, and you have all these cameras, obviously, like right now, following you. How did that make you feel? Like, was it was it back to being like you were in the street, or was it more of like I don't want the cameras to see me, or because they were like following you guys? And I yeah. know Jared was, you know, you know, we know <laughs> know Jared. Jared was the clown yeah. of the documentary, and he was the quiet one. Yeah, he was the quiet one, and I always thought like, man what's going on here like uh, you know now what he said what the question you asked right now well how was the english okay maybe now i know why he was about quiet yeah <laughs> he wasn't sense. able to speak yeah. much because right. yeah, yeah. he wasn't very familiar with the language interesting yeah yeah no definitely yeah you know why it feels so real i remember like because we're getting like we're getting uh, a little bit of freedom inside you know we were taken to this unit that was empty and we're hanging out like we're just hanging out longer than we are allowed because we only had like one hour a day room a night, you know, mm. and besides the one hour a yard. Right. So we're just enjoying it. You know, we're hanging out with cool people. We're doing something productive. And I think that I had these moments where I would just look around the room and I'd be like, I, it's surreal. You know, I can't believe I'm I'm being part of this project. Like it was something that for me growing up in my country, I would have never thought I would have sure. never imagined that, like I had an opportunity like that, even though I had it for a very bad decision I made and I was in jail. It, I never, I would have never imagined that I was going to be part of a documentary, you know? So I, I, I was thankful. I was very thankful for that. Mm -hmm. So when the final cut came out, obviously they showed it to you guys. So yeah. You guys could see it. And then they showed it to everybody else in juvenile hall or just to you guys? No. So remember, this is 2013. And then I turned 18 and we went to county jail. So Jerry oh. and I got transferred the same at the same time. The documentary premiered 2016. That was already in Ironwood. I was oh. in prison when oh, it premiered. Oh, so you already got sentenced when yeah. it premiered. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I was already in Ironwood when it premiered. And I was with Jerry over there, too. Yeah. And they called us to the program office, and they were like, hey, we're going to, like, 
they sent the CD of the documentary and they played it for us and and uh, before it premiered and it was just like for me it was so weird to look at myself to watch yourself? Yeah, yeah you know I, I was like oh my god i look so hey, like this yeah. is how i feel when these yeah. when these oh my shirt this, oh, yeah it's the same shit i did the weird, same right? shit man I, yeah you know, just, you know so so welcome to the club yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Club. shit i was embarrassed i was like why did i say that or like and you know what they 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 helped me out with some editing because there, I remember there was some, it was a few words that I wasn't pronounce, pronouncing right <laughs> at that time, and they didn't put him there. So I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's what we have, Brian. Yeah, yeah. that's what Brian's here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. for sure. But yeah. it was, um, yeah. So that was the final. Okay, and then um, 2016 it premiered. So it did play in the assembly on on, on when SB260 was being uh, rallied for, mm. and the show was the Clive Scott show was the film when yeah. when he went to um, Juvenile Hall, and it was just amazing. It was just like man, like. You know, because that was the whole purpose of it. And then it blew out. Like, I guess nobody foresaw that it was going to be a big thing. You know, like I'd never thought it was going to be a big thing. It changed. It changed so many uh, people's hearts, bro. Seriously. Like it changed so many hearts where um, the person he's talking about, Scott Budnick, um, he was playing this for, for people. And, and his whole thing was, he goes, if it was my son that had committed this kind of crime, he wouldn't have gone through what he did. Why? Because of the money that I have. And he oh. wouldn't be in jail. He wouldn't be where he's at right now. Yeah. So that was that was his 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 sticking point where he was telling people because of um you know the background, of his resources. Yeah. Yeah. The background that he's, he he doesn't have he's stuck in there. Yeah. For sure stuck in there. And, Damn. and he changed that that documentary changed so many uh minds where people would were, were literally lit, looking at and all the juveniles that were being arrested and tried as adults as as monsters. This yeah. is why I believe that documentary was the it's perfect called. title. Yeah. yeah. Because that's how they looked at it. They looked at it as like like monsters. Like how can you how can you do that? Yeah. Like what do you hear that happening? Like why would you do something like that? Right. But again, he's a kid. He's 16, 17, 15. There's some that were at 14. 14. Yeah. 14. Yeah. You know? So so Mm-mm. man it, this documentary came out like the same year the vote was yes uh, yes it was played so it, it was played in the assembly 2013 oh, wow. when they were voting for it but it premiered 2016 mm-hmm. so remember because the whole thing was to i guess ben you know ben Lear, i don't know if he had it uh the idea the whole time or he figured out on the way but the whole point was to play it in the assembly yeah. so some clips of it were played in the assembly mm-hmm. before it became the Carlos monsters and mm. then it became the Carlos Monsters 2016 as a full documentary, right? right? Yeah. Mm. So so that's when it blew out, right? That's when it like it got a lot of attention, it got a lot of views, and it, it went it went viral, and it went to a lot of theaters. I heard they were playing it on theaters, Damn. and even like in Australia, I had people writing me from Australia, from England, you T- know. From- tell us about tell us about the fan base with this trip. Tell us about the fan base that got you with the documentary. Like, well, man, you know what? <laughs> It was it was it was good. It was good because like um I would again I would have never thought like I I was the I was the guy in, in prison that I never got mail I never got visits I never really trip on phone calls you know right because that um you know like I have I have my family but it's different you know my mom I call it like once a week or like once a month and I'm hey I'm okay I'm alive you know okay it's cool right and my son was too little to 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 talk to me so you know I never really tripped on it you know and then I had like um somebody from high school the first uh, the first girl that wrote me. And I never, I would have never thought I, I connected with this girl, right? And but she saw the documentary and she reached out, you know. And that was the first of a lot of letters like that. Damn. A lot of, yeah, 
a lot of girls that will offer support, that will offer friendship, and some wanted more, you know. But it was, right, right. It, yeah, <laughs> no, that's kind of cool. It was cool, you okay. know. It was, no, it of was. course, especially when you're lonely. Like I was that, lonely in man. an unforgiving place. <laughs> yeah, yeah and you're yeah. like, shit, I'm getting this type of attention. I, yeah, that would like warm like, my heart. Do you feel like that attention in the documentary like contributed to you changing your life? You know what? Um, definitely, definitely, it was um, it was a factor, right? Because I remember that. Like again, I, I I never thought I would have this, you know. And then and then uh, um, like I, when I I remember when I started getting letters from like there was a lady in West Virginia that asked me to kind of like write letters to her brother, her younger brother that was messing mm. up, right? Mm. And I was like, man, like they asking me to kind of like mentor this kid that I don't know and maybe I'm never gonna meet. And it was just like humbling, you know. Mm. And 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 it will be it will make me feel like like um. Like I can do it, you know, like people see me, people see something in me. They, 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 they see potential. And, um, you know, like I liked it. I liked that, that cause I got to be somebody different with these people. Right. I wanted to be genuine. I wanted to just be myself. I didn't want to be the gang member. You know, I wanted to, I didn't want to be the prisoner. I wanted just for them to meet me, you know? And when I got that response back, it was again, like some kind of normalcy. I was having a little piece of freedom in these letters, you know? Dang. And yeah, it, it was, I'm very thankful. You know, I had great friendships. I still talk to a few of the girls. I met my wife like that, you know, and it was well, you like, did. you met your wife that way. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. So, so, you know, it was, uh, um, you know, guys were writing. Yeah. Yeah. I got a friend. I got a friend, my, my buddy, Greg. Yeah. He wrote me uh, for support, you know, great people. I still friends to this day. You know, we hang out sometimes. Is that the yeah. one from the last one? Yeah. You okay. met him. Yeah. That's him. Yeah. Yeah, so so you so know, it did change your I, life. I, it did. I could honestly picture the CEO in front of his cell, Gomez. Yeah, Gomez. Yeah, Gomez. <laughs> yeah, like that's because that's what they do, right? They ask you for your last two, and like, Gomez. Yeah, I'm sliding all this mail on yeah. damn fan mail, man. Door. Yeah, no, and his celly mad because he's getting all this mail. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's that's the funny. Part. I had a good celly. Yeah, um, Marco, you never no, you never met. He was in the class with us too in Ironwood. No, so that was the this is the cool part where, um, yeah. you know, I'm doing the work with with the hard team with ARC and when you're uh, going back like hoping redemption, yeah. yeah. And um, I walk into Ironwood and I have a class and I see this guy and I go, "Why is this guy not familiar?" And then right. I see Jared, like, "Oh my goodness, they're both here. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it was really cool to see them after seeing the documentary and then seeing them as your students, you know, mm -hmm. and then they're looking at you for guidance. Yeah, they're looking at me for like, okay, this guy's gonna help us get home. Yeah. You know, yeah, so that was pretty awesome. That was awesome for me. Um, and you did and help the, him get home. The, the person, uh, yeah. the person yeah. that he mentioned earlier, Ben Lear, which is the the, the, the producer. producer. Um, he actually reached out to me and my coworker Jamel, and he said, "Hey, man, I want to do a follow up. I want to do a follow up to the Carlos Monsters." So they started recording us mm -hmm. going into the prison. Sure. But then it, I don't know what happened. It got shot. I don't know what happened, but it just, they never followed through. But they did some filming in, in the classroom yeah. while they were there. Yeah. Um, wow. Because Juan was my student for maybe about what? Like a few months, right? A few months. Then, then you got transferred. I didn't, I didn't get to finish it because you mailed me the certificate, remember? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was lost, man. I was like, that was very... Um, early stages because i was the guy in the class you remember i was negative mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> i was i was negative i remember you asked me one time uh, um something about celebrating birthdays and i was like there's nothing to celebrate mm -hmm. you know? yeah. and you made an example yeah. of me he was like see that's exactly what you don't want <laughs> <laughs> my man yeah but okay. but You're the youngest one in the group probably yeah. no there was a few other young guys yeah, there was a few young ones because i was in that youth offender uh, yeah, yard no, right, right, yeah right. 
the cool thing about his yard is uh, the older the older people that were there were mentors to a lot of the yeah. youth. Mm -hmm. That was a pretty cool yard because they had so many programs in that yard, bro. It was unbelievable. Like, Where is this? And Ironwood. And uh, CR. Yeah. And uh, that CR yard had like uh, uh, vocational trainings like coding and... Um, I was in there. I was uh, in the coding. Coding. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Braille. Uh, Braille. Yeah. Like these guys are from that. Like there are so many... I mean, I can't even put a number on it, bro. The How college. many people have paroled from yeah. that yard that he yeah. was in? Because they were, they had so much programming there, and, um, and you know, they had someone there of authority too yeah. right. that that was overseeing them. Yeah. But he was, he was all for it. Like, yeah, go to school, go to college, go home. Yeah, right, right. You know, right. and I, he was very supportive, and I, I'm thankful that mm. I got to meet him, and he was yeah. able to be very supportive towards them yeah. and their rehabilitation process. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of times it's not like that everywhere. No. A lot of people be like, no, no, get out here yeah. and go post up and be over there. Like, no, they they, they were very supportive and uh, yeah. and I think that was the that was that's the only yard that I would say me personally that um was one of the best that I loved going into because uh, everyone there was so positive, mm -hmm. you know everybody everybody there wanted to go home. Everybody they just they they would create groups. Right? Yeah, they would create yeah. groups amongst themselves right. to better themselves, and mm -hmm. it wasn't like a it wasn't like a manipulation. It was no. more of a... Remember Mark Taylor? Yeah. Yeah. He would create uh, curriculums yeah, yeah. and facilitate mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I was like... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's why I'm just here for the board, you know, because I want <laughs> a signature, right? I'm here for the chrono. Yeah. I'm here yeah. for the chrono. Yeah, because I, I wanted to be straightforward too. Like I'm again, don't don't call don't call me on it. I don't want to participate. I'm just here because board mandates it, you know. Mm. And and I remember it was one of the classes like yours, like Mark Taylor. That little things will start to sink in, you know. And, and um and you heard me talk about it the other day when I went to talk to the kids, and um it was the the first time that you gave us the homework assignment to write a um a remorse letter you know write a, a remorse letter and i had never done that i had never done that before and and you guys um gave us that homework assignment and you know and i remember you say like go to the cell wait till you're alone you know and just focus you know just put everything like put yourself in his shoes right and and i'm not gonna say like i was i already felt bad for what i have done but i didn't mm -hmm. have the insight into everything i hadn't completely put myself in his shoes and i did it you know i did it for the first time because i heard a lot of examples of the guys in the class mm -hmm. too because i didn't know how to go about it you know i didn't uh -huh. know how to start like it's something that it's almost like your mind blocks it you know you don't want to face it you know because you know that once you find that humanity again it's like nah man i fucked up you know like mm -hmm. i i heard it so many people you know like not just him like yes it's horrible like when i when i thought about it and i was like man like because because um he bled to death alone you know because he ran like the adrenaline hits and and he and he ran mm -hmm. so by the time he collapsed i was gone mm. but then i started thinking like what was his last thoughts you know? damn what was the last things on his mind right and just to think like man and, and 
your mind probably wants to run, but your body doesn't obey you, right? You in your mind you want to get up and you want to run, but your body says no, you know. And then like like because my father like my father when he passed they say he didn't die instantly, right? So mm. he died in a car crash. And I'm and, and then I used to, and I would think when I was little man what was his last thoughts? Mm. Like did he think of me? You know like and of course like I've been faced with like after I and when I was game banging you know I never had that moment of like my life flashing through my eyes, but I had mo- moments close to it. And, you know, and you feel like, oh, shit, man, like, shit is real, you know? And then, you know, like I said, like, I, I I put myself in his shoes and I was just like, nah, man, like, I don't want to go out there to the yard and put it, put up this front and glorify that, you know? Right. Because in the game culture, you don't allow yourself to feel remorse. You you, you celebrate these accomplishments, right? You celebrate the distorted sense of, like, I did that, right? Mm. And, and, and I felt so fake, you know? going out to the yard because I like I was making some good decisions I wasn't I wasn't I was never fully like I wasn't like active like with the sense of like I was like pushing lines and doing the, but I was with it you know I was always like mm-hmm. like there like if something needed to be done I was gonna do it and and I was I was in an active yard and then I was gonna be part of it right but I wasn't raising my hand for things I wasn't like pushing lines on there right but even just being I was just going through the motions even that felt fake. Like, mm. I felt so, like, I was betraying myself, you know? Because on the other hand, I was going to classes. I was going to college. I was going to computer coding, right? I was I was having, like, I was having normal friends. Like, like people, like, no normal friends, but, like, people that were trying to change their lives. Like, mm-hmm. my Sally, you know, like, like the mentors. Like, people that were in the classes trying to help us out. And, uh, and, um, and I felt like I was betraying myself. Mm. I felt so fake. Sure. And, uh, and um, you know, I made that decision. I, I, I said, well... You know, like if I, if I jumped out of this, if I if I get out of this, I know the consequences. I know that is there there will be physical consequences, and that was one fear aspect, right? Mm. But there was also like, you know, like what like the 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 what are they gonna say, right? Like they're gonna look at me different. They're gonna think I'm weak. They're gonna think I'm a punk, right? Right, right. And 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 I say and and actually there was a guy that went and talked to me from from my former gang, and he was like, you know, like. The homies are looking at you because I started avoiding them. I started like, I stopped hanging out with them. I would just pass by here and there. Hey, what's up? You know, and I was gone. So I was using education to kind of like create distance, mm-hmm. you know, groups and everything. And they noticed that. So then they were mm-hmm. like, what's wrong with you? You know? And I said, well, it's now or never, you know? And I was like, well, you know what? I'm done, man. You know, I want to change my life. You know? I want to do something different. Like the reason why you see me pulling away is because I want to be out, you know? Like I don't want to be this person no more. I said, I actually want to change who I am. And he was understanding. He didn't completely respect it. But he told me, he was like, well, you know what, man? If you're going to walk this line, make sure you walk straight. Because if you deviate to the right or the left, we're going to be there to correct you. You know? Damn. But I can tell you that. But they're not going to tell you that. Mm-hmm. So be aware of that. Right? And so shit. basically, you said, I'm not doing anything to you. But I can't exactly. speak for everyone else. And it was like 13 of us in the yard, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like, we were one of the deepest gangs in the yard, you know. And and sure enough, you know, um, there there came the wave, you know. They came the pressure, the 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 threats, you know. And I'm not saying anything, right? I'm not. I, I'm there, and this is not supposed to happen, especially with the people that were in the, in the yard at the time. Mm. But but, you know, like I just I always say like, nothing that they can do to me compares to what I have done to people. You know, Damn. to the pain and suffering that I caused so many people, and I just told myself, I'm gonna take it, man. You know, this is nothing. You know, and I was so prideful that I wasn't gonna ask for help. I wasn't gonna go to the other side. You know, I was just gonna take it. You know, 
And I told myself, like, man, like, because there was one one point where it got close, man. This, you know, only by the grace of God, like, I'm, I I made it through this, right? I had just got my appendix removed. Mm. And uh, we were on lockdown. So nobody noticed that I was out. Nobody noticed that I went out six out six days out to the hospital. And when I came back, it was a Friday. And, the full, and we got off lockdown Sunday. And that Monday, I had to go to education to take a test, a college test. So I walk in there. And um, there's like three dudes from my former gang right there in, in the education department. And they see me and they get out and they're like, hey, when you're done, go to the restroom. You know, mm. I have the stitches on me. I have this the, the draining hole open. You know, I, they only gave me a bandaid. Right. <laughs> so. So and I'm and I'm just like, I didn't say anything, you know, and I thought to myself and I'm like, OK, so I have three choices. Right. I'm either going to go to the cop and tell him, hey, I can be here. I'm afraid, you know, mm-hmm. and I go and why or I go and I tell him, hey, you know what, like. I just got surgery. Give me like two weeks, and then I fight you guys. You know it's all right. Or I just go out of with this, food, you know, mm. and, and I'm probably gonna die because this is gonna open up. Fuck. And I took the last one, and I went, and I was like, "Well, I'm done. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna call for help. I'm not gonna break it down. I'm just gonna go for it." So I started walking, and they blocking the door, right? So they like right there, just blocking the door. And uh, I had an e-reader, so I just grabbed that, and I was like, "I'm." Let's go. <laughs> and then uh, you remember uh, C.O. Parker? Yeah. Yeah. So he comes out of the office. And he's like, oh, guys, you're done with your test. Let me let you out. So he just walks we walks me through the hallway <laughs> and opens the door for me. And then one of them says, like, man, you got lucky. And I just ignore him. I just walk out, right? And he's like, hey, your homie talk, your homie's talking to you. And I like, man, they my homies. And I just kept walking, you know? And, and that was close. And that was like, oh, man, you know? But, but. When I think about it now, it's like I was so dumb. You know, I was like, because I was prideful. And, and even though I was trying to change my life, it's hard to take, to get these beliefs off, you know, your head. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm tripping on as you're telling me this because we go back to the beginning of the interview when I asked you the question about how did you decide to take a life? And then it appears to me like you're going to his classes doing all these things and it shifted something in your brain to make a different decision, which yeah. now puts your life in jeopardy. It's a wild yeah. It's completely different end of the spectrum. We're like, yeah. you're face, you've been faced with major decisions, I guess, since you were a young kid. And then yeah. it just follows you. Yeah. And by the grace of God, I mean, I believe in God. So it's yeah. like that CEO walked out, saved you there, whatever. That could have sliced you open. Even yeah. If you got the better of someone, it's one, one move. No. That's it. We're not talking. Yeah. It's just crazy yeah. how you can have that mental shift. And it's, and I guess what I want to ask is it's, you do attribute that to the work you're doing that like, because you did this work, that's how you all of a sudden made the decision. Like I'm, I'm out, and I'll risk my life to be out. Essentially, yeah, yeah. Because I was, I was like I said, I was reflecting more. Like I, I was like more in touch with my emotions, my thoughts, you know. And I, and I, I got to see it. Like I got to start understanding that. Like I remember one concept that Mark Taylor said in one class. He was like, "Do you guys understand that the man, the man whose life you took, was not only um, a financial provider." Mm. that he provided dreams hopes love support and i and and, that, and I, I have never thought of it that way at that time you know so there were little things like that and then and then having to write a remorse letter having to like what do you say you know like there is nothing you can say yeah you know because yeah, you're, you're you're looking at the other person you don't look you don't think about any of that stuff. all you think about is like you're my rival exactly you're my rival and you're from the other side of the tracks so i'm gonna do whatever i can to make sure that I hurt you, mm-hmm. or do right. I do whatever I'm gonna do to you. Yeah, you know? the the teachings like I remember too, like uh, um, and I and I read this. I um, I think I looked it up for a class. 
and it's like the 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 process of dehumanizing when you when when like the studies they had made on genocides right mm. like what is the process of dehumanizing a, a, a human being right you call him something less than a human right and that's the same thing that gangs do like mm. you you call him your enemies you call him you diss them you create nicknames like so, oh you're a dog you're this you're exactly, a cockroach exactly. all that type of a stuff a piece of this right yeah yeah and 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 then and then you use euphemisms you don't say i'm gonna murder this human being or i'm gonna kill this human i'm gonna smoke and smoke i'm gonna do you you start using all these things right so it, it almost like it makes it more like accessible more possible for you to do it you know mm-hmm. so so i was like like i said i was learning all these things and and you know like i have like my like and and this is a big a big motivation for me like i have my son right mm. and my son was in my life and and thank god he was in my life because i would see this little kid and i would hold him right and i remember like the first time because i had I, when i was in juvenile home foster care took him right so i found his case for like a year and a half and my mother ended up adopting him but i only saw him like uh twice in juvenile hall mm. and then then behind the glass because county jails behind the glass reception behind the glass and I remember that, that when he went to see me, uh, Ironwood, he ran to me, you know, and I felt like, man, like, I don't deserve that. You know, Damn. I don't like it, it broke me. Right. Because like, you know, like this is this like innocent person that says me, that loves me, that doesn't know what I'm here for. And he runs to hug me, you know. So so having him, like I started thinking about, like, I want to be a better father. You know, I want to I want to be somebody different. Right. And I would tell myself, like. Um, I'm gonna push myself even with the workouts, right? You know, like the vicious workouts we were doing inside, mm-hmm. and it, I didn't want to do it, man. I'm like, fuck, man, I'm, <laughs> I want to quit, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would tell myself, like, how are you gonna tell your son to push his limits if you don't push yours, you know? Right? How you like, how are you gonna tell your son to do your homework? How are you gonna tell your son don't don't solve your problems with violence if you don't know how to talk to people, you know? So so you know when I finally came to make that decision, all these things were empowering, you know, like the the the, the community of men in Ironwood that were changing their lives. My my Sally, you know, great person. Like this is people that motivated me. My my friends that that were close to me, and then like my family didn't abandon me. You know, that was one big Thank one God. of the biggest things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I, if I didn't have anybody, I would have felt hopeless all over again, you know, because mm-hmm. I already felt hopeless in the streets. And then in prison, I would have just, like, let go, you know. And, uh, and um, you know, I, I just, like, I made that decision. And, and like I said, I felt empowered. I felt driven. And I felt like I knew where I was going. And even though I didn't know when, I never lost hope that I was going to come home. And you believed it, though, yeah. in your heart of hearts. Yeah. So, 11 and a half years. Yes. Right? You come home. You've been home how long already? Almost three months. Three months. Welcome yeah. home, brother. Thank you. Three well, months. Truly. Welcome how home. Does, how does uh, the future look for you? What's the goal? What's the plan? So I, I know that. So for myself, I, I, I feel like I'm a simple man. Like I, I, I love life. It's beautiful. The little things matter so much. So I, w- I would tell you that humbly. I w- Um, using my story, like the film introduced one side of me, right? I wanna I wanna present myself to the world now as 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 a twenty year old twenty year old man, right? Like I've lived all these things now. I got I have so much to, to to say, right? Right. I have so much to 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 say to 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 kids. Like is that 
that were hopeless because when I was in juvie, even being there, like I remember that Scott took people in and they would give us things. Like they would give us like little nuggets of wisdom. And, and you know, like some of them st stuck with me. And I didn't, I didn't show them at the moment, but they gave me hope. Right. They gave me strength, you know? So that's one of my biggest things now. Like I just went to talk to some kids and you were there and that was my biggest thing. Like I wanna, I know that maybe one thing of what I say today is gonna stay with you. And however, however you make it yours, that's on you, you know? But I wanna give you how, how it helped me, what it helped me, you know? So right. definitely getting involved, you know, getting involved in, 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 in the movement and participating in, in, in something greater, you know? Like I, I'm excited, you know, I'm excited, I'm happy and just live life enjoy it yeah. as you should be and, and i'm glad and you know it's cool that you're talking about sharing this other side of you and then of course we know why you were quiet on the documentary yeah. but still you were still quiet and that was the only part of the story you told so i really do appreciate you coming here to share that other side with you man um Thank you. it's not easy to do yeah it's not i mean when people see people on a podcast even for myself when it's our own show i feel uncomfortable yeah. and so you're coming in we just met and, and you're just yeah you've clearly done enough work to be vulnerable like this and talk about like some deep shit that people would can never fathom of experiencing. And yet you're doing that. And that, as I told you before we started recording, like that's the purpose of the damn show, man. doesn't matter how many people are watching is if it in that, it's that corny tagline of like, if it reaches one person yeah. changes someone's life. And it, it, it's clear that that is clear to me, clear to you. I'm sure it's clear to you that like, that's your, that's your mission. And yeah. like, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Because I believe, there's a lot of people out there, like you said earlier, like the documentary blew up. Like yeah. it, it really, a lot of people watched it. It was a lot. Of, so a lot of people out there were probably looking like, oh, that's what they deserve. Mm -hmm. They should get that. Yeah. You know, they should get that. They committed a heinous crime. Mm -hmm. That's the perfect sentence for them. For sure. They're animals. Now, hopefully with the podcast, with this one and others that you've been doing, they could see the other side of you. They could see yeah. the, the, you know, they could humanize you. Yes. Because at one point they're probably looking at you like, yeah, they deserve that. Yeah, not but only it, him, but all of them in that, you know, you or know, anybody that commits that kind of crime. As a side note, it was super interesting to me as I was sitting here was like, you were his teacher. So I know he's yeah. doing other shows, but like that's that's a wild thing for you two to have been inside those prison walls for as long as you two were. Yeah. Who you became and then who he helped push you in that direction of who yeah. you became. And I'm like, damn, like, I don't know if you were on other podcasts with your other teachers or anything like that, but like, <laughs> like that's some wild shit. Yeah. That's, that's, that's crazy to me. Yeah, there's it cycles is. of healing as well as cycles of violence. Yeah. yeah. There's like, yeah, that's a good point, man. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Truly. Yeah. That was a fucking yeah. profound. Yeah. <laughs> I think that follow up documentary should happen though. Cause for it, sure. That is such validation mm -hmm. for it the is. legislation to see you guys doing well. It's going to happen. I think that's important. I agree. Yeah. And, and one thing too, and then I go, this, I know this is, Juan's podcast, but his 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 good friend and good friend of mine too, Jared. Jared. Um, he's been out a little bit longer than than um than Juan and he's killing it, bro. Yeah. He's in the, he works in the Capitol. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's doing the, these great speaking engagements out there in the Capitol. Yeah. Um, he's going all over the country and speaking yeah. and sharing his his truth. Shit. And sharing yeah. that day, man, this is this is what happened. Yeah. You know, and, Antonio too, the little guy he's starting to starting yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because he was the one that was sort of forgotten. Because I didn't even know what happened to him, but yeah. it's good to know that he's he's coming back around. Yes, yeah. I mean, people need to know that legislation can affect you. Can, it can it, work and work in a positive and, way. And there's a reason to yeah. vote. There's a reason to yeah, participate. For sure. You know, yes. and this is it right here. If you talk to anybody, nine out of ten people will be like, politicians don't do anything. Mm -hmm. You know, and they're very apathetic. But right, 
good things happen if you pay attention. Yeah, I yeah. agree. True. Yeah, yeah. True. Yeah. I mean, I hope we get everyone here to talk about your stories and just keep following that show. Did you say you wrote a memoir in prison? No. Oh, I thought I heard you say it earlier. No, you had so many uh, letters from fans that it was yeah, like yeah, a yeah. memoir. Yeah. Do yeah. you write though? I write. I write yeah. poetry. Yeah. Yeah. You come across as like a creative. Yeah, yeah like a yeah, creative yeah. deep person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's maybe that's why I made that up in my head. I should start <laughs> writing the memoir. Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> no, I'm a star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great yeah. idea. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, because yeah, you're very expressive. And, yeah, yeah. Shit, man. And you know, one of the biggest things, like you guys are saying right now, um, the ultimate thing I think for politicians to know is that we have the potential to change. Like you've seen, like how mm-hmm. many people you run into inside, and you're like, man, like, what are you doing here? You know, like, like for you sure. have so much talent. You have like. Maybe we didn't start it that way, but we became these insightful people. We became this person that, like, mm-hmm. you remember the two elbows that got that got commuting? Mm-hmm. These people didn't have hope 37 years in, and they changed their life completely. Right. And they never gave up, you know? And, and, and I would think about these people, and I mean, like, how do you do it, man? How do you do, how do you live life meaningfully when you have no hope, mm-hmm. you know? For sure. I remember one of my good friends that was at LWAP at one point. Um, he shared with me that when he made his decision to change,